the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're in Romans chapter 7, and we're in that very controversial portion of the letter where Paul seems to be at war with himself. We're in those verses, verses 14 through 20. And as I told you when we looked at these verses last time, that the majority of theologians, in fact, 99.9 of your theologians, tell you that what is being described here is a Christian at war with sin. That it is a Christian battling the power of sin and trying to live the Christian life at odds with sin. So Paul is, in their minds, describing an ongoing struggle. Now, the reason they believe that Paul is a Christian in, in terms of what he is, the narrative he's written here is because he continually refers to his desire to keep the law and to do good works. He refers to that in present tense. In other words, I desire to keep the law and I desire to do good works. So as we read through this section of scripture, verses 14, 20, and forward, understand that Paul has written this in present tense. And that's what makes it a little confusing. So theologians have looked at this and they've said, you know what, it's in present tense, so therefore Paul must be describing his struggle as a Christian. Well, let's look at verse 14, chapter 7, verse 14, where Paul describes this dilemma. We've looked at it before, but it's a good jumping off place for you to kind of keep it in perspective. Romans chapter 7, verse 14, and Paul says, we know that the law is spiritual, But I am a creature of flesh, carnal, unspiritual, having been sold into slavery under the control of sin. Now, in these verses, Paul describes why he can't keep the law. He says the reason he cannot keep the law is because he is carnal, that he is fleshly. And we know it's a fact the flesh can't keep the law. He says, I'm an unspiritual man. Well, an unspiritual man wouldn't be able to keep the law either. And finally, he says, I'm a slave under the control of the power of sin. And certainly a slave under the control of the power of sin would never be allowed to, even if they could, 
keep the law. So Paul is describing the contrast between himself and the law in this. Now the question that is presented is, is Paul describing himself as an unregenerate or unsaved, zealous Pharisee? Is he giving us a narrative of himself before Christ in his attempt to keep the law? Or are we looking at Paul as a Christian who has literally, as he says, been freed from the law and freed from sin, but is now currently trying to keep the law? Which is it? Well, I believe that what we're seeing here is that Paul depicting his life as a zealous Pharisee, unsaved, not yet redeemed. What Paul is showing us is that righteousness may never, ever be attained through the law. The law was meant to reveal a need for salvation. It was not meant to give salvation. Following the rules, doing the right thing, does not give us salvation. Salvation is in the person of Jesus Christ and what he did. It's not in the rules. And all the law was meant to do was point to man, all men, including the self-righteous Pharisee, and say, okay, look at the standard and look at yourself. Do you believe you need a Savior? And they should have said, yes and amen, but they didn't. They said, oh, we can keep it. We can do it. And Jesus said, no, you can't. Jesus came to the earth and he revealed righteousness True righteousness. He stood next to the standard of the law and he passed. And he said to them, he was condemning in his very presence. And he said to them, have you kept the law against adultery? They said, sure, we never, we don't, we have never committed adultery. And he says, if you so much as even looked at a woman, you've committed adultery. Shot him completely out of the water. Well, they might have turned to him and said, well, yeah, we've done that. We've done that. We've kept that. We've. We've kept all of the commands. And he says, well, how about this one? Be ye holy as your heavenly father is holy. How about that one? Well, they couldn't do that. It isn't in the capacity of man to fulfill that. And I will tell you something. We'll talk about this again later. It isn't in the capacity of a man out of Adam, unregenerative, unsaved, To keep the law, it is not in the capacity of a Christian to keep the law. Did you hear me say that? Because we were not meant to keep the law. We were meant to literally live out the standard of the law. Because the law is kept in a person. It's not kept in a doing. It's kept in Jesus Christ. So here, I want you to see that this... This right here is the perspective of a zealous Pharisee who has a desire to keep the law when the law was never meant to be kept by man, but to reveal salvation. And Paul met that salvation. He met it on the road to Damascus. And when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he resolved never to preach anything but Christ and him crucified. From that point on, Paul never taught adherence to the law. Can you look through the Paulian epistles and see him teach adherence to the law? Can you find that? You can't. Paul didn't teach adherence to the law, but he taught faith in Christ. The man described in verses 14 through 20 and forward is desperate to keep the law. Desperate to do good. But he's thwarted 
by the principle of sin. Unregenerate men cannot keep the law. Saved men cannot keep the law. For an unregenerate man to try to keep the law is impossible because it's not in his nature to do it. It's like a fish trying to build a bird's nest in a tree. How would that work? It wouldn't. It's not in his nature. And here's the other little point. The law is not kept, but fulfilled in righteousness. The law is not kept, but fulfilled in righteousness. But what do you mean by that? I mean that the law is not kept by the doing of the law. The law is kept by the righteous character of God, because that's what the law describes. The law is describing the person of God. You cannot separate God from his righteousness. So when you read the law, you're describing who God is. But can anybody live to that description and say they're God? No, they can't. They can't because you cannot separate God from his righteousness. That is why You had to become a new creation, a plural being in which God put himself in union with you that you may be clothed with his righteousness. The law is not kept but fulfilled. In Romans 7, 6, Romans chapter 7, verse 6, Paul tells us, he says for the Christian, but now we are discharged from the law. And have terminated all intercourse with it. Having died to what once restrained and held us captive. So now we serve not under obedience to the old code of written regulations. But under obedience to the promptings of the spirit in newness of life. Whose life is new? The spirit's? No, our life is new in Christ. So what he is saying is this new life that you have is motivated by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is what propels and motivates and literally is the desire of your heart. He is also the empowering force that makes the will of God happen in your life. So he says a new creation doesn't operate out of a book. The new creation operates out of a life. That's who we are. We're literally living out of the presence of the Spirit of God in union with our spirit. For a man to seek to live to the law, saved or unsaved, is to devote himself to a life of futility. Because God never intended for man to earn or even maintain his righteousness. To live to an obedience to the code or to written regulations, as described in Romans 7, 6, is not the Christian life. It is not describing the Christian life when you live to the code. Now, let's look at our verses for today. We'll start in verse 16 for context. And we're in chapter 7. And we're going to be focusing on verses 17 through 20. Paul speaking. He says, Now, if I do habitually what is contrary to my desire, that means that I acknowledge and agree that the law is good, morally excellent, And that I take sides with it. However, it is no longer I who do the deed. But the sin principle which is at home in me. And has possession of me. Now I'm reading out of the Amplified. So if it doesn't match up you'll understand. I'm not up here committing heresy. I'm actually reading a translation. 
Okay. Now, the question as you read that would be, are we looking at two different people here? What we see in Romans seven seventeen is Paul's confession of defeat. He's literally saying, I can't do it. It's no longer I who sin against the law. It is not I who do the deed. It is the sin principle that literally has me by the throat, has possession of me, is what it says. Now, that's Paul's defeat. Now, I'm going to read for you a similar verse, one that uses kind of the same phrases that we know well in this church, and that's Galatians 2.20. Look at how closely they resemble, except from two different points of view. Paul speaking again, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith, in, by adherence to, and reliance on, and complete trust in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Again, are we looking at two different personalities in the same person? Or two different people? That's the question. We see in Galatians that there's actually two different eyes there. One died. One is dead on the cross, and the other one lives by faith in Christ Jesus. So how many eyes are left? Just one. But when we look up here in 7, verse 16, he says there are two characters there. There's me struggling, and the power of sin with me. Defeating me in my desire to do good. Remember when Paul says, I desire to do good, he is talking about the law. He's talking about good works. Okay? Keep that in mind. In verse 17, we have conflicted behaviors, what we have. As a zealous Pharisee, Paul knew that he couldn't keep the law. The law could only be kept by the Pharisees externally but not internally. And he demonstrates that in verse 7. We looked at that a few weeks back. Paul demonstrates that he could not keep the law internally because he mentions an internal sin, which is covetousness, which the Ten Commandments speak directly against. And he says, I was overcome. I literally gave way because of the appetites and desires of my sinful nature I always was overcome. So the Pharisees knew. They weren't blind to it. Literally knew that they could not keep the law. And certainly Paul, who was a zealous Pharisee, could not keep the law. In verse 7, Paul describes a war between his desire to keep the law and the appetites and the desire of his sinful nature. And what you see in verse 7, what you see is Paul being revealed by the law. The law came to him and says, do not covet. And everything in him was drawn to covetousness. What is revealed there? Two things. The righteousness of the law and the need for a savior in Paul. Those were the two things. Paul was revealed by the law. And that's what the law is intended to do. That's what the law is about. That's why he says of the children of God, that's why he says of Christians, you have been freed from the law because the price has been paid. You have been delivered from the law because of the completed work of Christ. 
Now, what Paul is doing here is he's giving a testimony of defeat and helplessness. If he is saying it is no longer I, he is saying I cannot change. In other words, Paul is resigned to the dominance of this power within him called the power of sin. And the reason that he is in slavery to this power is because the power of sin rules over what? The sin nature. The sin nature. The power of sin has dominance over the sin nature. And that is the nature of unregenerate man. That's the nature of an unsaved man. Every unsaved man walks around with a sin nature and under the control of the power of sin. But when we receive Christ, the power of sin is broken. It's broken because we become a new creature, the new creation altogether. And in that new creation is a new nature. Now, we don't have two natures. We have one. We have a new nature in Christ, and that nature is given to obedience. That nature has a new heart. It has a heart for obedience. It's a heart for God. It is literally in union. The Bible says that we are one spirit with him. That new nature has a new mind. It now has the mind of Christ. That's scripture. That's the new nature that we have. So Paul is saying, I want to do it. I have a desire to do good. Now, do you think a Pharisee had a desire to keep the law? Well, absolutely he had a desire to keep the law. His life was in the law. But I can't do it. My desire to do God cannot overcome this influence in my life. Now, the Greek word there that Paul is using for the doing of sin is katergotsamai. I don't expect you to repeat that. I'm not sure I said it right. But what that, what that describes, and he uses an intensifying preposition, and what that describes is the power of sin with a vigorous action, working to completion, working towards victory. It implies that whatever this power does, it sets out with such intensity that it is completed. It is done. That's the work that's going on. In other words, this is an ongoing, vigorous doing that is met with success. So this is not describing a passive power or a passive activity. It's literally describing for the lost man an ongoing domination that cannot be broken. In Romans 6.18, Paul points out the condition of a child of God. And he says, You, having been set free from sin, you have become servants of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will, thought, purpose, and action. Does that sound like a slave to you? Does that sound like a slave to sin? And having been set free from sin, you have become... Now look, this is instantaneous. The Christ that came in you set you free from sin because you died with him. The person who was enslaved to sin died with him. And the person who was resurrected with him had no relationship to sin whatsoever. It's a new creation. And that person, that person he is describing. And he says, you have become servants of righteousness. 
of conformity to the divine will in thought and purpose. Which means the creation that came out of the grave with Christ was literally made for the divine will in thought and in purpose. Literally made for it. Again, like a fish is made for water and a bird's made for the air, we have been made for him. We have been made for obedience. And that's why sin is such a struggle. That's why sin always proves to be against us. We don't need the Bible to tell us that sin doesn't work for us, do we? Do we really? I think we prove it. Because we weren't made for sin, Christian. We were made for Him. We have been made in conformity to divine will and purpose. Sin does not rule the new creation. We are in union with the Spirit of God. We have His will literally written into our being. Sin is not the dynamic of the Christian life. Let's look at verse 18. Romans seven eighteen. Paul says, For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot perform it. I have the intention and urge to do what is right, but no power to carry it out. Now, the Greek word that Paul uses for good is agathos. And the reason that's important to know is because it means good in character and beneficial in effect are useful in its action. In other words, so the good that Paul is describing there is a good that is to be derived from who he is. It's part of his character. That is the good, the action of the character of the person who's doing it. And Paul says, there's no good in me. Remember who he is at this point, who he's describing. There's no good in me. So therefore, I cannot do what I want to do. As a Pharisee, I want to do the good work. I want to do and keep the law. But there is no good in me to make that happen. And what is being delineated here is an action of the heart versus an action uh, doing based on the word. We just illustrated that the Pharisees could keep the letter of the law externally. But they did not have the heart to keep the law. And that's what Paul is saying. Nothing good in me. I don't have the heart. I can't make it happen. I have no power to carry it out. Paul desires to be good and to do good. But nothing good dwells in him. He does not have the power. The word flesh there can speak of the body alone. But it also predominantly refers to the sin nature in the unregenerate man. And the fact is, nothing good is in that nature. So when he says, there's nothing good that dwells in me, that is in my flesh, in my unregenerate nature, that's what he's saying. It's like Paul is literally bearing witness to something Jesus said in John 15, 4 and 5. He's saying, for some reason I can't do this. I don't have the power within me to do this. And Jesus said, In John 15, verses 4 and 5, Dwell in me, and I will dwell in you. Live in me, and I will live in you. For just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in, being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears. That is present tense. That is continuous. Some of you don't know it, but you are bearing abundant, much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. Do you believe that you possess the life of Christ within you? Then you know that wherever you go, you take the presence of the Lord with you. And I want to tell you, it's like the sun hitting the jungle floor. Fruit is born. It's born all around you because of the life within you. You are demonstrating the life of God. You may be acting like a heathen. It doesn't matter. Because your behavior can't cover up the truth of who you are. You think it can, but it doesn't. I am Todd Granger. It doesn't matter if I change my name. It doesn't matter if I start dressing different. It doesn't matter if I dye my hair black. That might be better looking. I don't know. It doesn't matter what I do. I cannot change who I am. And when I come into a room, regardless of what I call myself, the presence of Todd Granger is there. The same is true of the Christian. No matter what you may call yourself or how you may act, you're a child of God. And you bring his life with you wherever you go. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to his life in every situation. Rest in his life moment by moment and receive from his life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.